0: thank you wonderful worship time thank you so much for all the young people that want to give their talent and their life to the cause of Christ thank God for that thank you Jesus in the time that we have this afternoon first of all I want to thank Pastor Dr. Ronnie Floyd Pastor Trey Kant Dr. Kai Bowman Will Davis Chris Tapkin for just the passion that you have for prayer because realistically, there is no other hope for the nation now. We are in an Acts 27 moment when the ship is going down and it's only the voice of, of those who have been given the prayer that is really gonna be able to make a difference in the future. I think that people are just now waking up to the reality of the depth of the fight that we are really in for the future. We're fighting for the future of our children. We're fighting for freedom itself and this battle can't be won apart from prayer and intervention of God. So you're on good ground, and I wanna really encourage you, don't give up the fight. I agree with uh, what was said here today. The prayer meeting is the most pivotal and important meeting in the house of God. Jesus never said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of preaching. He said it shall be called a house of prayer a place where we petition God. And I, I'm hoping that, that I can unlock something to you this afternoon that, that just might help you and I, all of us, in our approach to God. I wanna to talk to you today about the, the passionate anger of God. The passionate anger of God. Now, when we think of the passionate anger of God, we generally think about sin. You know, that, that God is angry against sin and sinners every day, but that's not what, where I'm going. This is about prayer. And there's something about prayer or the lack of it that brings out this passionate anger in the heart of God. Mark chapter 11, if you have your Bible with you. So Father, I want to thank you for the touch of heaven that's been here all day in this auditorium. I thank you, God, for the men and women that are here that are are given to the pursuit of prayer. I thank you, Lord, for all the things that you have done in the past through prayer And we understand today that you are the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And we believe, as as Dr. Floyd said, that you can do more in a moment than any of us can do in a lifetime. So Lord, thank you for the great privilege of just taking our hands off of the agenda and giving it over to you. Lord, we unashamedly say we need you. We need you to come and intervene in this moment in history. God, for the sake of our children, for the sake of those in the womb, for the sake of our kids in school and colleges and high school, for the sake of our families, the opiate addicted, the homeless, the godlessness that's starting to abound in our streets and our society, Lord Jesus Christ, we ask you to come and be God to us one more time. Lord, this nation, you remember the prayer meeting on at number, lot number one in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Lord, the 51 who survived the first winter, you remember when they gathered in that little house. Lord, they had, they had no strategy, they had no strength, they had nothing but you, Lord. But in you, they had everything. And they had a promise of a nation where, a place that you were taking them to where they could worship you in freedom and according to conscience. And Lord, you took them, God, in a place of no strength, and you have established a nation of over 300 million people, God, that has become the envy of the modern world. So Lord Jesus Christ, we ask you to have mercy. Remember every prayer that's ever been prayed in this country, every tear that's ever been shed. And God, we know you hear every sigh, God, every mother who doesn't know how she's going to feed her children, every father who doesn't know how he's going to lead his family every struggling family every struggling marriage every struggling home every addicted senior in our society every person crying out in the streets god almighty you hear it all we only hear a portion but you hear it all have mercy on the nation lord this is our prayer this day jesus son of god have mercy we feel like the man on the side of the road the son of david have mercy us we want to see again God we want to see your power we want to see healing and restoration oh God and righteousness that exalts a nation God Almighty we cry out to you under unashamedly give us an understanding of what's in your heart now concerning the prayers that we lift up towards you and Lord we thank you and we give you praise and glory in Jesus name I've been studying something in the scriptures for uh, a few months now and it, it, it's, a, it's a study that really, re, it's, a, it's a teaching on prayer that Jesus was not, not expressly saying so but he was teaching his disciples something about prayer that if we can lay hold of this, it can change our whole perspective on what it means to come into the presence of God and lay our petitions before him. Now in Mark chapter 11, This is, it says Jesus went into the, in verse 11, into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he looked around on all things, as the hour was late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. Now the next day when they came out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again and his disciples heard it. Now, now the disciples are, are, are describing this, this, this particular interaction with a tree from their perspective. They assume that he was hungry, and I think the assumption is probably correct. I'm, I'm assuming he was more hungry for fellowship with you and I than with a fig tree, than with some fruit on a fig tree. You remember in Genesis 3-7, when Adam and Eve bit into the theological lie that you can be as God is without God, And you can become the judges of what is good and what is evil. When they lost, I believe they were naked and didn't know it because they had the Shekinah glory covering them. Just like Moses, when he came down from the mountain, the glory of God was all over his countenance. He had been in the presence of God. When they lost the glory of God because of sin in the Garden of Eden, what did they cover themselves with? Fig leaves. And I, I can just imagine how ridiculous Adam and Eve must have looked. You once had the glory of God. And now they're standing there and they probably took these broad leaves and made hats for themselves and skirts and they would have looked totally ridiculous. And that's what humankind looks like when we think that we can be godly without God. We cover ourselves in man-made robes and all of these, these things that in the sight of a holy God and, and every heavenly being ever created, they must look thoroughly ridiculous. They assumed he was hungry. Because he approached the tree, I have a, you know, I have a problem with their assumption. Because he's an omniscient God, he knows this tree has nothing on it. He has to know, or he's not omniscient, or he doesn't know all things. And secondarily, it was not the season for figs, so he should have known that himself. Just being raised in the area, he would have known to approach this tree; it would not have any any fruit on it. And and I think it just represents uh, the initial stages of prayer when 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 we. We stand up and curse those things in our lives that offered us satisfaction but there is no satisfaction they offered us nourishment and there is no nourishment and that's the way our prayers start in the kingdom of God It's it's all about me myself and I we, we come into the house of God and we recognize that in alcohol there's, there's nothing but captivity there, relationships don't satisfy, and we, 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 these former fig trees, may I put it this way, that we once went to looking for sustenance, sustenance and looking for hope, we now know what they are. They're just deceptive trees. And so the beginning of our prayer is, is more or less standing and, and taking authority over these things. May I, may, I, may I put it that way? You will deceive me no more. Whatever you were, whatever this thing was, that, that maybe it's your career, whatever it was that got a hold of your life in, this, in the fallen state of humanity, and, and, and you believed that this was going to offer you satisfaction, you now know that it's fruitless, and just as Jesus did. Now, I don't believe that God is so petty that he just curses a tree that he should have known that there's no fruit on it. No, he's teaching something. He says, no one eat fruit from you, henceforth and forever again. And, and you and I did that in our lives. There are certain things in our lives that deceived us, all of us. And then when we came to Christ, we took a stand in prayer against those things and say, you will deceive me no more. I will never eat fruit from you again. I will never go back to that, that fountain of deception thinking that somehow this thing is going to satisfy. For the only satisfaction I will ever know in life comes from a living relationship with the living God. From there, from cursing the fig tree, he goes into Jerusalem, and he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple, and then he taught them, saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer of all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. This is where we see the passionate anger of God. It's the only where, the place I see in the New Testament where you see Christ actually becoming angry. Elsewhere in the scriptures it tells us he made a scourge of cords. This was, this was not a calm moment in the temple. He's overthrowing tables. He's, he's, he's hitting animals and probably money changers and driving them out. There are temple guards there that were there for the purpose of protecting the money changers and such like, and all of the money they were making from the system of religion they had concocted, but nobody dared to raise a hand against them. It must have been, I'd love to see this when I get to heaven in the video section, I'm gonna go there, I wanna see this, because there must have been a fury that arose in the Son of God that scared everybody. Even the guards carrying swords would not raise their hand. They, they would have had this sense, I'm going to, if I do something, I'm going to die. And they're right, they would have died, most likely. When God gets angry, get out of the way when God is angry. Nobody can stand in the presence of God. And we see this passionate anger in the heart of the Son of God because the temple had ceased to be what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a house of prayer, but he said, you've made it a den of thieves. The thievery is not necessarily the money changers. We don't expect them to always be honest or the prices being uh, proffered for cattle and doves and all the other things and goats that they were selling for the sacrifices. The thievery is that because the house had ceased to be a place of prayer, the, the leaders had actually stolen from the people the presence of God. That was the thievery. And I happen to believe in my heart that every church that has no permitting is a den of thieves. I'll say it straight out. I make no apology for it. We steal from the people the presence of God. Now, in order to understand why this anger in the heart of the Son of God was so severe, I want you to go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 6. It's, it's when this, the original temple that stood on that foundation was built, given to the King David by the Holy Spirit passed on to Solomon through his father David. Solomon builds the temple and the temple is now built. Just let's, let's just pretend we're inside the temple. The, the temple is ornate, it's filled with gold. It's, it's designed by God for a specific purpose on the earth. Solomon is now dedicating the temple. He builds a brazen scaffold, he builds like a platform, stands or actually at one point kneels on the platform, raises his hands and begins to cry out to God, in the dedication. In 2nd Chronicles 6 beginning at verse 12 it says then Solomon stood at the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Then it goes on. He begins to pray and he says uh, in verse uh, 19 He said, Regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication, O Lord my God, and listen to the cry of the prayer which your servant is praying before you, that your eyes may be opened towards this temple day and night, towards the place where you said you would put your name, and that you may hear the prayer which your servant makes towards this place, and that you may hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, Forgive. And then he goes on and talks about the types of prayer that God would answer, that, or he's asking God to answer certain types of prayer in that temple. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna scan it for time's sake. If anyone sins against his neighbor, and he says if, if somebody has sinned and they come into the temple and, and be the one who determines who is righteous and who is wicked when they stretch out their hands before you if your people israel are defeated before an enemy because they've sinned against you and they return and confess your name and pray and make supplication before you in this temple hear from heaven forgive the sin of your people israel and bring them back to the land which you gave them and their fathers if we're defeated when the heavens are shut up and there's no rain because they've sinned against you when they pray towards this place and confess your name and turn from their sin because you afflict them. Hear from heaven, forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, and teach them the good way which they should walk, and send rain on your land which you've given to your people as an inheritance. He goes on, he says, when there's famine in the land, pestilence or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers, when the enemies are besieging them in the land of their cities, does that not describe America today? Whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people Israel, when each one knows his own burden and his own grief and spreads out his hands in this temple, hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive and give everyone according to his ways whose heart you know, that they may fear you to walk in your ways as long as they live in the land which you gave to our fathers. Then he goes on, he says, "'Now concerning a foreigner who is not of your people Israel, "'but has come from a far place for the sake of your great name "'and your mighty head and your outstretched arm, "'when they come and pray in this temple, hear from heaven, "'and do according to all that the foreigner calls to you for, "'that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, "'as do your people Israel.'" When your people go out to battle against their enemies, when you send them, and they pray towards the city which you have chosen, and the temple which I have built for your name, hear from heaven their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. And when they sin against you, for there's no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them, and they're delivered to the enemy, and they take them captive to a land far or near, yet they come to themselves in the land where they were carried captive and repent, and make supplication to you in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned, we've done wrong, we've committed wickedness. When they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, where they've been carried captive and pray towards this land which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen, and towards the temple which I've built for your name, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications, maintain their cause, and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now, my God, I pray, let your eyes be open. And let your ears be attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. And chapter seven, verse one says, when Solomon had finished praying, the fire came down from heaven to consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Then it goes on. And this is where it gets very, very interesting. Because up to this point, it's now Solomon praying to God. Now God has, he has in a sense, declared his, he's, he's, he's heard this prayer because his presence has filled the temple. But in verse 12, it says, then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. The Lord appeared to Solomon. Not, not just a voice in his heart, but the Lord himself. He appears to Solomon by night and said to him, I've heard your prayer, and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice when I shut up heaven that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray you know the ultimate arrogance in the house of God is prayerlessness prayerlessness is telling God we don't need you we don't need you, we can do this Lord we've got this down, we've got the program down we know how to do this well a fine job we've done in America haven't we Look at our society. How can, you, how can you lay the blame for the mess of this country anywhere but at the doorstep of the house of God? They had 120 people in the upper room completely yielded to God in prayer. And those, through those people, eventually even the nation of Rome bent its knee to Christ at one point, in, in, its, in measure at least anyway. But yet we got churches on every block in America and we don't even affect our communities anymore. Does anybody have the courage to stop the parade now and just say something might be wrong? Maybe the emperor has no clothes? There's a point where we just, we're not condemning ourselves or each other. We just say, let's just stop this thing and let's just go back. I I always tell the kids in our Bible school, when all else fails, read the instructions. It's all here, read the instructions. So the Lord appears to Solomon and said, I've heard your prayer and I, I chose this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. So when I shut up heaven that there's no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, he says, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive or listening to the prayer made in this place for now I've chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be perpetually there that's amazing he says I've heard you I've chosen this place this is to be a house of prayer and when the people come in I will actually forgive them I I will turn back their captivity I will answer their prayers I, I, I will be there for the stranger I'll be God to you and you'll be my people when people come before me and pray. Now the same God, the same God that appeared to Solomon now comes into the temple that's on the foundation of this original house, and an anger comes into his heart. He makes a scourge of cords, and it must have been a fierce moment, drives the whole thing out of the house of God, and says, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of thieves. You see in this scenario the passion in God's heart to answer prayer. That's what it comes down to. You know, quite often we think prayer is is you and I getting the right phrases to actually move the hand and heart of a reluctant God somewhere off in the cosmos. And we don't understand the passion in God's heart. It's much deeper than the passion in our heart. That's where the only place in the New Testament where the tangible anger of God is displayed through Jesus Christ. The fury of God. And if I may paraphrase for Jesus, if I may be permitted to do that, he's saying, I wanted to answer the prayer of the people, but you stole my presence from them by making this a prayerless house. I wanted to be God. I wanted to bring them home when they're captivated, when they find themselves in a place that's far away from my my kingdom and my purpose. I wanted to bring them home. I wanted to fight against their enemies. I wanted to provide for their families. I wanted to make the crooked places straight. I wanted to bring the lofty places down. I wanted to be God, and I wanted my name to be brought to reputation through my people. But you stole from them the source of their life, the source of their strength the source of their power. As a matter of fact, God's saying, you stole something from me when you cease to pray. The passion of my heart. You see, when you see God this way, it changes everything. When you you see he's not sitting there in a throne with his arms folded saying, if you get the right phrase or you pray long enough, maybe I'll answer you. No, he's actually leaning forward. My eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. 24 hours a day seven days a week 52 weeks a year 365 days a year i will be leading forward listening and waiting for your prayer waiting for you to ask me to bring your children home waiting for you to ask me to restore your marriage waiting for you to ask me to heal your land waiting waiting i'll be waiting for you to come and ask because i desire to be your god as much as you desire to be, even more than you desire to be my people. So now, after throwing out all of this stuff that's going on in the house, in the temple at this time, in the morning they passed by and they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots and Peter, remembering, said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answering said to him, have faith in God. For verily I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he asks. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That's either true or it's a lie. You can't have it two ways. These are red letters in my Bible. That means they were spoken by the mouth of Jesus. It's either true or it's a lie. You can't have it two ways. When we're praying according to the will of God, when the will of God is understood, when the passion in God's heart to be God to us is fully known, he says, when you stand. Of course, we understand that's praying according to the will of God. Now, the the disciples are really, they're really taken with the fig tree. It's just this little tree. And the next day they say, look, the tree you cursed is dried up from the roots. It's it's, it's sort of like these things that were once in our lives. When we took authority, when we believed God, they lost their power over us. Whether it's alcohol or anger or drugs or depression or whatever it is that was a governing factor, offered hope and brought you into captivity. It doesn't take long, in a sense, in the beginnings for those things to be cursed when we stand against them in the name of Jesus. But I, I find it interesting that Jesus doesn't really even talk about the fig tree anymore. He immediately moves their attention to the mountain. Now, the fig tree is, is, is one form of deception. The only mountain in the area is Jerusalem. It's an entire system of deception. It's, it's a whole man-made thing that is deceiving the people of, of that part of the world at that time. And he's basically talking about Jerusalem when he speaks to the, If you've ever been there, Jerusalem is the only mountain in the area. Whoever speaks to this mountain... It's not just the deception in your own life, the fig tree. We've got to move beyond fig trees to mountains now in our generation. We've got to move beyond the things that we've gotten free of, thank God for that, to what the whole of our generation needs to be set free from. We've got an entire generation of children being, if they're not being murdered in the womb, they're being gender confused as low as in kindergarten. They're being lied to about the presence of God and deliberately confused in our grade schools. They're being forbidden to pray in our high schools and radicalized against both God and their country in our colleges and universities. If this is not a mountain, I don't know what a mountain is in our generation. But the Lord's been speaking to my heart saying, Carter, I want you to move beyond your fig trees and speak to the mountain. Start praying, then if you do whatever you ask for, believing you shall receive. It may cost something for some of us. Some of us may lose our freedoms in the coming days. I don't care anymore. I'm not willing to give this generation over to perversion and darkness. I'm simply unwilling to let that happen. So it's time to pray for the mountains. It's time to pray in the context of knowing that it's in the heart of God to answer more than it's in our hearts to ask. And when you see it, it changes everything. It changes the perspective. Say, God, you have to give this generation a chance to know you. I spend a lot of my time now praying, God, give us a mercy moment. I don't know if the nation can be saved. I mean, with God, all things are possible. But it's not about saving a nation or a way of life. It's about people. It's about our children. It's about the future. The devil always goes after the children. You notice that throughout scriptural history, always. And we're now, the devil is in full flight against our children in this generation. But it's time now for the people of God, for those of us who know how to pray, or at least have an inkling about how to pray, you know, in, in, the, in the Old Testament when they were starting to throw the children into the river, which is what the devil will always do, when, when the Lord appeared to Moses, he said, I've, I've heard the cry. I've heard the cry. It wasn't the cry of the leaders. The leaders were at Pharaoh's throne crying out for straw. That's what they were doing. The, pe- the people who were actually le- in, leading in measure We're at the wrong throne with the wrong cry. The cry came from moms and dads. The cry came from bedsides. The cry came from people walking down the street. The cry came from people on the train and the subway. The cry came from just regular rank and file folks. That's the cry that God heard. That's the cry that came before his ears. That's the cry that came into the temple. That was the prayer that brought millions of people out of slavery and into freedom. And I happen to believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. I happen to believe with all my heart that if, the, if there's a cry that erupts in our hearts for this generation, God will hear it and God will answer, and he'll do it his way. If he sends an old man with a stick, I'm okay with that. I don't care. That's what he did back then. He's, God's battle plans are always ridiculous. I don't know if you know that. Always, always. He's, you He know, wants to bring a whole nation out of captivity and sends an 80-year-old man with a stutter and a stick and his 83-year-old brother who's You know, he's he's spiritually compromised may I put it that way and he sends them in I I believe the only reason Pharaoh didn't kill them on the spot is because they were such a joke they were entertaining at at the moment when Moses stands there and says let let, let my people go it was just such a joke because you didn't challenge Pharaoh you'd die if if the Lord would have sent a soldier there would have been a war or a death right on the spot but it was just such a joke it was entertaining until it became a contest of power then Pharaoh couldn't kill them because it would make him look weak. He became a victim of his own pride. Amazing, just absolutely amazing. So when you go home, look in the mirror tonight and say, I am the ridiculous battle plan of God for this generation. (laughs) I may look weak and I may be nobody and I may be nothing, but God hears my cry. He's been waiting for my voice in his temple and he told me that I could speak to mountains and he said whatever I prayed for believing, I would receive it. So I'm not gonna lay down and die and let the devil roll over me or my family or this generation. I'll start where I need to start. If it's my life that needs freedom, then I'm gonna pray there. But I'm gonna believe God for my family, I'm gonna believe God for my children, I'm gonna believe God for my marriage, I'm gonna believe God for my neighborhood, I'm gonna believe God for my street, I'm gonna believe God for my community, I believe for my town, I'm gonna believe for my state, I'm gonna believe for my country. I'm going to stand on the side of faith and I'm going to, that's where I'm going to plant my flag and that's where I'm going to stay and that's where I'm going to live. I don't have to beg God to do what he clearly showed me he wants to do in the scriptures. When he appeared to Solomon at night, he said, I will do these things. My eyes will be open and my heart will be there and I will be listening for this prayer. That's why I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for this gathering. I'm so thankful that you desire to pray. Believe God. Die. If you're going to die, die on the side of the mountains. Don't die where the fig trees are. Die on the side of the mountains. Begin to pray. And whatever he tells you to do, do that. That's what we do. And when we begin to move with God, miracles start happening. Doors start opening. People start coming into freedom. So, Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for just one more time, just opening your word and speaking to each one of our hearts, God, in a way that that only you can. Oh, Jesus Christ, have mercy on this generation. So here we are. We're in Austin, Texas. We're from various churches and backgrounds. But here we are, Lord, in your temple. Here we are, God Almighty, crying out to you, Lord, Jesus Christ. God, to do the work that only you can do in this time that we now live in. We ask you, Lord, to move this mountain of godlessness and cast it into the sea. We ask you for a spiritual awakening in America, one, perhaps one last time before you return to this earth, O oh God. Yes, Lord Jesus Christ, we ask you God to rekindle your house all over the nation. let a fresh wind, a fresh fire, touch every pulpit, every pastor, my God. Oh Jesus Christ, do what only you can do, God. Send your Holy Spirit, Lord. Send the Holy Spirit, my God. We recognize, Lord, we can't do this with our own strength or with our own power or with our own might. So here we are at your throne. Here we are, God, crying out. Here is our voice, Lord, each one of us, God, lifting our voices towards you, Lord, this day, asking you, God, to do what only you can do in this time we're now living in. Set our children free. God set our families free set the drug-addicted free let there be a shout of glory my God in your house and beggars description and use us Lord in whatever way you choose to let none of us ever say no that's too big for me God whatever you ask us to do let us do that Lord we thank you we thank you God that even though it looks hopeless we have the precedents in all throughout scriptural history and hopeless moments, God, when you sent miracles and you delivered your people. God, remember the prayers that were prayed by your saints in this country. Remember the moms and dads that have cried out to you over the 400 years we've been a nation. Remember the pilgrims who cried out, said, Lord, you gave us a promise. Remember your promise to them, oh God. And don't let it be stolen from this generation by the powers of darkness that want to eradicate the testimony of Christ in the earth oh Jesus Christ we ask you for a touch of heaven that will stun us we ask you for your hand to move in power in such a way we never anticipated it Lord Jesus we thank you God that we can recognize today that we are limited in what we can do but because of you Lord all things are still possible in our time God, thank you for what you're going to do. I'm going to ask you if we could rise up together, join hands with your neighbor, and begin to cry out for your families and for your town unashamedly. The Lord wants to hear your voice. There are, there are no bystanders in the temple when it's prayer time. He wants you to cry out for whatever it is that you need, whatever your town needs, your community needs. Lift your voices to God now. Lift your voice unashamedly. God, thank you. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid to cry out to him. It'll be ashamed to raise your voice. Oh God, hear us today, Lord. Hear us as we stand in your presence. Hear our voices, oh God. According to your heart. According to what you've spoken. You told us about yourself. You told us about your heart, Lord. We receive it. God, you want to hear prayer in your temple. You want our voices to be lifted up, Lord. God, have mercy on this generation. Have mercy on every baby that's destined for slaughter in the womb have mercy on our children God deliver them from the hands of those that are sexually perverse and dark oh God deliver our children in our schools my God deliver our our high schoolers deliver our grade schoolers deliver our college students my God deliver our homes send victory to our families Lord we we've, we've gotten captivated Lord we're coming back to you we're coming back to the temple we're coming back to the place of prayer and we ask you, Lord Jesus Christ, to send freedom, send victory, oh God. Send a shout of glory one more time into the nation, Lord. Oh, Jesus Christ, have mercy. Have mercy on this generation, oh God. Have mercy. Give us righteous men and women in leadership in this state, in this country, my God. Sweep out the refuge of lies, oh God, and put men and women of truth in positions of authority again. Oh God, oh God, do what only you can do. Do it so swiftly, so powerfully. That everyone would know it's the hand of God. Everyone would know it's you, Lord, that has done this thing. It's not been any effort of man. It's not by power. It's not by might. It's by the Holy Spirit of the living God. Oh, Jesus Christ, God Almighty, God Almighty, let not our voices ever be silent in your presence. Give us the grace to cry out to you, oh God. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Take us to a whole new understanding of what it means to pray. A whole new place, God, of lifting our voices before you, not just here, but at home, not just in the, in the temple, oh God, but also in our bedsides, in our dining room tables, my God. Let the voice of prayer be heard again in the nation. Jesus, Son of God, Jesus, Jesus, Son of God, do a work, Lord, in our midst that would astound us. It would astound us, oh God. It would astound us, oh God. It would astound us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let God arise, his enemies be scattered. Let God arise, his enemies be scattered. Let God arise, his enemies be scattered. Let God, let God arise. Let God arise, his enemies be scattered. Let God arise, his enemies be scattered. Let God arise, his enemies be scattered. Let God, let God arise.
1: Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
0: Just before pastor returns, I'd want to ask you to do something. When Israel was in the fight with whatever enemy it was, particularly the Philistines, they would send, when it it looked like they were losing, quite often they would send for the ark of God, the presence of God. When the ark of God would come into the camp, the people would give such a shout, the scripture would tell us that the earth would shake and fear would come into the hearts of every enemy. I want all hell to be set on notice today that there's a people rising up.
1: Yes, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. There is a people rising up for a calling up to God, and we're bringing God into the battle again. Hallelujah, hallelujah. bringing God into the battle. Hallelujah. We are not ashamed to call out to him. Let all hell begin to tremble because Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He's still almighty God. Every knee must bow. Every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Give him a shout of glory in this house.